and welcome back to Vox Populorum, the Vox Popcast. I am Chris Maverick, as always, and once again, I have my co-host with me, Wayne Wise. I am also Wayne Always. <laughs> if you change your I, name to that, that would be I so awesome. Wayne Always. I am Groot. <laughs> oh, see, now, and, and, and you said that before the general spoiler warning, um, which we'll do later. This is not the spoiler warning, because we're not going to be talking about the movie Infinity War, so if you're enjoying the podcast and you haven't seen Infinity War yet, stick around for the next three minutes and hear the guest in, being introduced, and then I'll give a spoiler warning, and you'll have to go away for the entire rest of the episode. So, first, <laughs> uh, we have two guests today, so it's actually more than we normally have on the show. The first guest is... Nicole Freem. Nicole, I know from the PCAACA, the Pop Culture Association, American Cultural Association, which I have mentioned on this show most weeks that we've done it. Nicole is the area chair for the comics and comics art area. Yes, I've been doing that for a while. I did it for about uh, about nine years, took a couple years off. Then I was co-chair with uh, Terry Wonke, and now I'm still doing it, which means I have a an inordinate amount of power in a relatively meaningless way. <laughs> that is much of academia. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. That's not true. I have no power in a relatively meaningless <laughs> arena. So, 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 so it's completely different. Mm-hmm. I do. I teach, uh, I teach writing and English and comics when I get the chance. And Nicole is one of the people who has shown me that there is almost sort of kind of a career in reading funny books for a living, because that's basically where, where I know her from. So I thought, I thought she'd be perfect for the conversation we're going to have today, which is not actually about the funny books. It's about movies based on funny books and movies in general. But before we get to that, so Nicole is interesting because since she runs the comics area at PCA, which is my favorite conference, which is why we mention it all the time. On the other end is the person who got me introduced to PCA in the first place. And that is a friend of mine from college. My one-time karate instructor and a good friend of mine, Maron Langsner. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm primarily a theater scholar. I teach theater history and dramaturgy, and I also have a life as a playwright and fight director. Yeah, I beat people up for money. You beat people up for money. Good. (laughs) (laughs) The way I got back into grad school, when when I graduated with my undergrad, I decided, why don't I go off and make a bunch of money? And I did that for a while. And then Maron said, hey, who cares about all that money you're making? Why don't you go back and do academic stuff? And then maybe you can go to grad school. And so I did that. And now I'm poor and happy. I didn't exactly say it that way, but. <laughs> exact words. <laughs> now forget the money. Come speak critical theory with people. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. And, and that led to my academic career, which led to this podcast. Yeah. See, I've been poor and happy selling comics for 20 years, so, you know, we're good. <laughs> Nobody wants to be useful for a living. <laughs> Contributing to society. What is all that? I mean, <laughs> and I, 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 no, I actually, we read funny books and watch movies for a living. And, and that's kind of where this episode comes from, because we were talking after last week's episode, and we're pretty clear that as we record this, it is... May 3rd, 2018, which means we are one week removed from, or not even quite a week removed from the advent of Avengers Infinity War, which is the biggest movie of all time, which is sort of amazing because it used to be that Black Panther was the biggest movie of all time. And they had a good month and a half of that. And now we have a new, and now we have a new 
biggest movie of all time. And it was Avengers Infinity War. And it became quite clear pretty quickly that every podcast in the world has to talk about Avengers Infinity War this week. It's just the rule. There's nothing else going on in the world. If you have a podcast about knitting, you're talking about knitting outfits from Avengers Infinity War. So that, that was obviously... Awesome. What's yeah. great is yeah. Matt posted that and on our blog, and someone sent patterns for knitting Infinity Gauntlets and things. So, yes. That's amazing. <laughs> we actually had a, we had a guest at Pop Culture back in, in 2010, I think, in St. Louis, of a gentleman who knits superhero costumes. Yeah. So see, it all makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) But we didn't want to just review the movie. So here's where your spoiler warning goes. If you haven't seen the movie yet, then I can't believe you're possibly listening to this show. But on the off chance that you haven't seen the movie yet, go and watch the movie before listening to this episode because we're not really reviewing the movie and we're not really going to try to spoil anything. But we're four geeks are going to talk for an hour about this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and related movies and something might happen. So you've been warned. Marone had a joke when, when we were in school, whenever I would call him a geek, Marone would say he is not a geek. He is a free man. <laughs> <laughs> Marone now makes a living directing fights for plays. That's geeky. It's pretty geeky. <laughs> nice. I, I, I had a good friend tell me once that I'm per- Basically a professional 12-year-old boy. And is that supposed to be a bad thing? Oh, no, this was like said happily because I, I, I was about to, I was, I was on my way to a rehearsal and I was like, oh, I need to go. I have a big sword fight tonight. And, <laughs> and she was like, oh, you're, you're professionally just a 12-year-old boy. It was like, yep. 12, 12-year-old me is really happy about how I'm going to make money tonight. So. <laughs> I, I get to play Injustice 2 on my PlayStation and say it's dissertation research. So it's That's right pretty cool, you. too. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Infinity War. Infinity War was interesting because, and here's your, again, last chance for spoilers. Infinity War is interesting because I realized when I, when I was writing my review of it, and I actually saw it twice, saw it back-to-back uh, Thursday night and Friday afternoon. And the thing that caught me almost immediately was I hesitate to say that it was a movie. And I don't mean that in a bad way, or at least I don't think I do. When I'm, when I'm watching a normal movie, uh, a lot of times I will give superhero movies lower ratings than some of my readers would prefer that I give them. Cause I, I watch a lot of movies and they say, well, you just hate these kind of movies. And I say, no, I love these kind of movies. I, I, I've devoted my life to this sort of thing. But then why do you never give anything five stars? Most superhero movies I give somewhere in the three star range. And I said, well, because there's a formula that you sort of work towards with a superhero movie. And sometimes you exceed the formula and you get Logan, which is an amazing film. And I gave that like four stars, four plus. Um, Other times you get a movie, which I really, really love. Wonder Woman, Black Panther, which I say are basically three star movies. They're really good three star movies, but there's a beginning, middle and an end. They follow a formula. They, you know, they leave me with lots of nice, warm, happy, fuzzy feelings, but it's still just kind of a movie by by formula infinity war said fuck that that was they just gave that up one of the biggest complaints geeks have uh, i am tired of origin stories we don't need these origin stories we know how these people got their powers just start the movie and that's fine if you're spider-man it's fine if you're batman regular people don't know where ant-man comes from regular people need an ant-man origin I'm not sure regular people know where Wonder Woman comes from. So regular people do need origin stories. (laughs) Infinity War basically says, you know what? 
you've had 18 movies. Keep up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah this, well put. This, this was this was chapter 19 of an ongoing story. This was, you know, you don't pick up crime and punishment, start on chapter 19 and expect to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's very true. I, I was someone asked me about it and I said, well, you don't you can still enjoy it to an extent if you haven't seen the others, but you're not going to get the same level of understanding because it assumes that you've seen or at least are aware of all the rest. I was saying that since the first Avengers movie, because I remember when that came out, I was calling it the compound sequel because I said it was the it was really the sequel of five other movies and that you had to know because you, you had to have seen Thor and Iron Man and Captain America to really have any investment in those characters because you get in you, they, the characters walk in with this implication with this with the cinematography is such that you already know this is the protagonist and the understanding of the backstory is assumed and I, one of the only other places mm-hmm. other than comics and comic movies where this is really the case is really like Greek tragedy true I mean something like Trojan women or Electra, you have to have awareness of of all the rest. Yeah, and I think we've we've kind of recreated that now with a lot of the the Marvel universe, where anyone coming in, you have to almost start at you have to start with the origin stories, and then knowing the origin stories, you could appreciate Avengers, you could appreciate Infinity War, and there's also the all these assumptions of just levels of audience appreciation that I find really interesting, like in the post credit sequence of the second guardians movie they teased adam warlock and there's all these mm-hmm. other pieces where you know they, they tease they tease these aspects of what's going to come the tease of captain marvel the tease of okay here's our nod to this aspect of the comics here's our nod to this other aspect of the comics here's how we're keeping certain elements of the story structure but having major major departures elsewhere and that's for me, really fascinating to see of how they take something where they've created these archetypes and they're relatively new archetypes and Captain America is less than a hundred years old. And this, but, but Captain America has become so much a part of cultural awareness that you can retell the story in different ways and it still maintains the original integrity of the character. But there's also this element of, okay, are you familiar with this recent retelling? Because we're going to be using this recent retelling in this new giant crossover movie that's everyone you've ever heard of in any other cinematic production of this. Well, so one of the things that I found different about Infinity War. I would argue that Avengers, Marung mentioned the first Avengers movie, you certainly want to, if you want to really enjoy this film, you want to start from the very beginning. You want to start from, I guess, Iron Man 1 was the first movie in that series. And you want to see them all. But if you skipped one, if you never saw the original Thor movie, you can sort of pick up on it for Avengers 1. Thor shows up on top of the plane with very little explanation. He walks in. They're like, where did you come from? He says, my father magicked me here. I'm Thor, God of Thunder. I'm here. I have this magic hammer. I'm really strong. Let's go. And he basically gives you a Cliff's Notes version of his origin story in that, in that scene, in his first scene in Avengers. When you... The connection to his movie is when he runs into Loki. Loki says, how the hell are you here? The Bifrost is broken. Um, Father must have used a lot of magic to get you here. And Thor says, yeah, that's what happened. And, you know, they just kind of hand wave away his movie, but they give you enough to where if you are invested in this, at that point, six-part crossover, 
you know, you can sort of follow along. And I would liken that to sort of starting, you know, Star Wars starts with chapter mm-hmm. four, you know, the, the, if you want to <laughs> look at the interesting ones. Um, but like, you could also, I mean, you can jump in. You don't need to watch Harry Potter one in order to get Harry Potter three. You can sort of jump in and you, they give you enough. You can sort of follow along. You get more if you start from the beginning, but you, mm-hmm. but you'll catch up. You know, you can, you can start a, you can start a TV series, especially before we had binge watching, people used to never go back and like watch early episodes of the show. I was a big Days of Our Lives fan, but I was born many, many years after Days of Our Lives premiered. And there's just no way I'm going back and watching these shows from the 50s. Five, five, five hours a week for 30 years. Yeah, right? yeah you just can't, you can't do that. So if you want to start watching Days of Our Lives in the, in the 80s or the 90s or the 2000s or the 2010s, it's just kind of fine. They fill you in. Well, and not much has changed. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a very slow building story. An argument's made for the fact that the reason things move so slowly on soap operas is the formula was designed for a housewife from the 1940s or early 50s. And the plan was you had to move the story slowly because you don't know what day she's going to go grocery shopping. She might do the market shot on Tuesday, on Wednesday or on Thursday. It doesn't matter. Just recap enough so that if she misses one day, the other four will be fine. And that's how soap operas work. Avengers Infinity War just doesn't do that. It opens in the middle of a scene. Uh, it's a it's a scene that's a continuation from Thor Ragnarok. And there's no explanation. There's dead people all over the place. There's a battle. Thanos is standing there. This is the first scene. And yep. there's no, hi, this is Thor. Hi, this is Thanos. Who are you? I'm the Titan. No, none of that. It's just like, look. There's a fight going on. Seriously, keep up or get out of the damn theater. <laughs> that was essentially what the movie tells you. If you just like explosions, I could see how you might just enjoy the movie. It's like if you just like to watch fights and you like CGI and you just you like yeah. pretty, there's a lot of pretty going on. But if you don't know who these people are, I don't know that they ever tell you Captain America's name. Uh, in in this movie, he just shows up. He walks out, and it's like, "Oh, Captain America's here. I'm on board." <laughs> that, that's that's how much you get with it. There's there's little explanation of anything, and they just expect you to know. Well, I, I think you know. I mean, this from the beginning, the what Marvel's been building with these movies, this idea of a franchise, it it does feel different than any other franchise we've ever had in history. I mean, Harry Potter does this a little bit, but th- those were straight ad- adaptations of the books, and like you say, every every movie. While it built on the previous one, they were all kind of self-contained with here's the story of this movie with the backstory of, of everything else that's going on. You can just kind of watch them. I mean, we've had franchises since, you know, I mean, radio serials, you know, the Lone Ranger movies were, were you know, a franchise, the, the you know, our spanking our gang, you know, any of that stuff. It goes back a long ways. But this feels like they've built something very different than anything we've we've experienced before. I think that has a lot to do with Netflix also, because I feel like television, we're, we're in the real golden age of television now, and long-form narrative has become something where you don't need to recap in the beginning of an episode anymore because it used to be that you would Mm -hmm. turn on and they'd say previously on whatever show we're watching this happened but in the age of netflix where the story arcs build in a completely different structure you can just keep going and the binge the binge has changed how we watch things and something like infinity war something Mm -hmm. like avengers you just have this assumption like what what Mav said of people go back and watch and someone can go and watch all of the previous movies or enough of the previous movies to get it. I've I've never seen the new Hulk movies, but 
I don't feel like I need to to get what I'm seeing now. To be fair, those are probably the most optional out yeah, of the that's entire good to know. series. That's a bit further. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, yeah, but like, yeah. the way that, you know, everyone just shows up at Wakanda and we're in Wakanda and we just accept that these guys have this amazing technology and that this is where we're going to make our stand and we don't have any real introduction of any of those characters. They just walk in and it's like the assumption of these are the people you already love because Black Panther came out a couple months ago. And if you miss that, go fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it, it certainly echoes what Marvel Comics were doing in the 1960s. I mean, while we've had comic books and superheroes since 1938, technically – the DC characters all existed in the same universe mm -hmm. in in the 1940s, but those stories were so self-contained. And you know, even like in the books, Justice Society, the team book, there were a lot of stories in that that were just here's two characters, not the whole team. And certainly, anything that happened in that book had no bearing whatsoever in any other books they were doing. And then the 1960s happened and Marvel in the forties, it was rare for a story to go two issues. I mean, right. or, and, and sometimes not even a whole, not even a whole issue. Yeah. There'd be like yeah. six, you know, 12 page yeah. stories. Yeah. In an issue. And then, you know, see Batman and Superman co-starred in world's finest for years, but they weren't really teaming up. They were on the cover together, but they were individual stories in the book itself. And then you know, in the sixties, Marvel comes along and it's all in the same universe. And they built that very gradually. Part of, part of that was just, you know, Stan Lee was, was writing or co-writing everything. You know, there's, a very small stable of, of creators who who were creating this stuff and that idea of the crossover and you introduce a character in this book who later appears in that book that was that was new to to marvel and then you dc saw the success mm -hmm. of that and started building on it but it's like you know, 50 years later we have the the movie franchise doing what they had done successfully in comics um I, I find that fascinating as a fan of the comics first and now this many years later seeing that still develop i find that really kind of amazing and, and interesting to watch that replay in a different media same i think the I, I agree with you that the only other place that we've seen this kind of long-form story arc and integrated story arc has been comic books and it's not a surprise that some of the most successful long-form stories are based in comic books because the characters can have mm -hmm. that arc and can keep developing. And that, you know, something like Luke Cage, each, some episodes stand alone better than others, but you think about it as the season, not as the episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I certainly grew up reading comics at a time where much like this movie, it's amazing. Spider-Man number 137. I haven't read anything before this and I just pulled that number out. That's not my actual mm -hmm. first issue, but just, but just, you know, like you pick it up and there might be a recap. I mean, I, when Jim Shooter was editor, uh, at, at Marvel, you had a lot of like using X-Men as an example, you had a lot of issues begin with here's a danger room sequence where every character's name is said and we see them use their powers in the first two pages. And his policy as editor was every issue is somebody's first issue. We need to introduce mm -hmm. these characters. Then in the early 90s, you would get a double page Jim Lee spread and there would just be their name in a caption box next to them um, to, to streamline it. But so there, there was a certain amount of recap and, and here's who this person is. But we certainly didn't get Spider-Man's origin in every yeah. issue. You were just kind of thrown in and, hey, he's fighting the Scorpion this issue. Run with it. Wasn't it the 80s that Marvel also introduced kind of the encyclopedia where it was the Marvel Universe yeah, and yeah, it was they, here's – yeah, Marvel Universe. Yeah, and that's something that I now the internet's taken that over. But I'm I'm wondering if we'll start seeing something like that for for the cinematic and television universe. 
I mean, you can already find things like that. You can find flow charts and lists of if you want to go back and watch, here's how to watch everything in order, including all the episodes of the Netflix series and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter and putting them all in. This is how you should go through it Mm -hmm. to prep, quote, prep for Infinity War. And and that's it. We've got 19 movies, but we also have two seasons of Agent Carter and however many seasons of agents of shield that and and all the netflix series which are all technically part of that world so how many more hours of backstory do we have and well so that's always been one of my questions when age of ultron came out and i'll give another plug to one of our one of our listeners that i keep trying to get on the show uh link link wanted uh is a friend of ours and wayne and i know him who was very upset he's like well how come the shield guys aren't there if they you know they've got this shield television show if they're going to have the helicarrier, it clearly should have been piloted by the guys from from that TV show. And my answer was, there's two reasons. There's the, there's the business reason, which is I can look at the math and I can see that about 10% of the movie audience watches the Agents of Show television show. Uh, the, like the, We know the ratings, so it's not that high. So you can't just sort of throw Coulson there, who everybody who just watches the movies thinks is dead. And all these other actors that we've never seen and then expect it to matter. On the other hand, my in universe, my, my reasoning was I live in the same universe as uh, as Barack Obama. I've never met the man. So there's no reason why in his story I should just show up. Or that I should show up in mine. I've never met Moran and Nicole, um, yet here we are on a podcast together. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it 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 happened. So so so, but so I, my 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 theory was you don't you don't have to connect all the time. And in fact, in comic book land, if you're a longtime comic book fan, it bugs yeah. the hell out of all of us. It, it is so frustrating to be uh, like I, I am. I am a big fan of the comic book series Champions. If you're not a comic book fan, you don't care what it is. If you are a comic book fan, and you're not reading Champions. You should. It's amazing. It's a great book. Uh, I, but. Last, and Wayne knows this because I complained about it. Uh, the reason I started reading Champions was because Champions is a book that is that from the very first issue has several characters who said, and they're, they're all teenagers, and they say, we are sick of the way the Avengers are doing things. We're going to forge our own way, and we're going to be a different kind of team, and we're not going to be the Avengers. And it was great. We're new. We're young. We we have a, a different vision than all these old heroes. Yeah, do. and it was great. It was great for about sixteen issues, and then they then they did um, a crossover with the Avengers, which I was no longer reading. So now I've got four issues because it's like an eight issue crossover, and I have no idea what's going on in the storyline because everything is crossed over, you know, every other issue is with the Avengers. So I have to go back and buy these other, these other books that I don't really care about. And it wasn't a great story. You are forcing me into this world that I don't care about. I don't Mm -hmm. want to do homework for my entertainment. That's my usual rule. (laughs) You just want to assign your entertainment as homework to other people. Exactly. Well, that's uh, yeah, yeah, and and yeah, and if, if you want that ability, then you get to go out and become a teacher, and people can pay you, pay, pay me for it. But I don't want to. But, but what I'm doing it for fun. I just want to. There's no. Well, I want to, but but I but normally I do want to just be able to. You know, one, one, it's really great to be able to go to a movie and just say I'm going to sit down and I'm trying to think of a movie that's. What's a dumb yeah. franchise? Oh, Fast and Furious. I, no, a dumb, dumb but fun. 
<laughs> Transformers is not fun. Transformers <laughs> is work and, and tiring. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to Transformers fans out there, but they're they're not good. No, they're and not. I will watch them. I will review them. They're not good. I love me some Fast and Furious movies. They make no sense. They're horrible. It's a, it's, a, it's an awful franchise, but it's so much fun. And and uh, so in Fast and the Furious. See, I can't even remember which number is which, but so I'm going to say seven. It's the one that Paul Walker got killed in in real life. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) In that movie, there is a point in the movie where they, and again, spoilers for Fast and Furious, you don't fucking care. But there's a point in Fast and Furious where where, where for some reason, they've got a sports car on the 110th floor of this skyscraper. Uh Why? It doesn't matter. And then for some reason, in order to get away from the bad guys, they have to floor the car across the middle of this office building, break through the window, sail through the air across the street and crash into the office building across the across the street, you know, on like, say, the 80th floor. Right. (laughs) Do you not get that? Nothing about this makes any sense. There's no intelligent narrative reason. I believe that someone pitched the uh, pitched the film Fast and Furious in seven and said, "All right, we need to make a new movie. What's this one going to be about? I don't know. What what can we, what haven't we done? Let's jump a car from one building to another building, and that's where they started. They built the movie backwards from that stuff. I think that was the same one where they dropped the cars out of a plane and and down onto like, the mountain been. road that there's no other place we could possibly stage this ambush. This is what we'll do. Yeah. Uh, sort of thing. Because, and that's what's great about those movies. Nothing matters in that franchise. <laughs> Literally nothing matters. You, you, you want, like you want, you want fun. You want to see people drinking Corona and, 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 and that's what that movie's about. It's just fun. I don't have to think. Infinity War. There was homework involved. And, 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 and what's amazing to me is that people did it. I was watching people like someone made a meme three months ago, you know, sometime before Black Panther. I was like, hey, there's just enough weeks left that if you watch one of these every week, you can you can catch up and you can be ready for Infinity War exactly the right time. And then amazingly, I just watched social media where millions of people were just doing this. They were doing this thing. It's like, what are you talking about? But like everyone wanted to be involved in this sort of building this franchise. I mean, like jumping into this franchise and doing the homework. Boy, so if you they really want to do the, the homework and, and enjoy it on the level that those of us who have read comics our entire life enjoy it. Have I got a lot of graphic novels to sell you? Well, I know a friend of mine asked, asked me, she, she was commenting that she was thinking maybe she should watch the movies to, to prep. And I said, well, you should probably ask someone who owns them all. And she looked at me and I said, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And so I packed them up and gave them to her. And of course she was saying, oh, I didn't realize there were this many. I'm never going to make it through. And so we just went and saw Infinity War anyway. (laughs) But then afterwards, she was commenting, I need to go back and watch a couple of those because I was a little confused. So much of it was based on Infinity Gauntlet and the Infinity War comic had nothing to do with anything that happened in Infinity War the movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. There was there was an Age of Ultron comic book series that had nothing to do with Age of Ultron the movie. There's just that's you Civil War. They they they're lifting titles from established story arcs 
and they vaguely resemble the story arc mm-hmm. in terms of the MacGuffin, but beyond that, not yeah, so much. I feel like Infinity Gauntlet won't work as a but movie isn't title. Isn't that how they do most movies? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. It's going to be really mean of me to say people don't know what a gauntlet not is. Not really. I, I think that, that it's an archaic enough <laughs> word that it's just like something like yeah. Gauntlet yeah. on a mass market movie is not going to do the same thing as war. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you haven't gone to Ren Fairs or participated in SEA events, you yeah. probably don't know what it is. Or it's just something that, oh, that, that was when I had to read that King Arthur book in high school. So, Right, right. Because what, what I'm amazed by in all of this, too, is that how much of this culture has become mainstream and how much has. Yeah, because this, yes. this was not cool when I was in college. Oh, no. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> yeah, what, we should all be beat up. It makes me surprised when I when I ask my students if they read comics, and the response is, "Oh, I yeah. loved the Avengers movies." That to them, that's reading. Yeah, comics. The same with Harry Potter, actually, because I've spoken to students, and there was just this weird gap between when the books were done and when the movies were done, and there were kids who had seen every single movie and never read the book. And we see the same with game of Thrones where there's people who have seen every mm-hmm. episode yeah. and just said they couldn't get through the book. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, I run into that at the store with, with walking dead, you know, people who are big fans of the TV show and have n- no interest in looking at the, the graphic novels at all. They don't want spoilers. You know, they, they don't want to know what's coming, even though they are, at this point, so incredibly divorced from each other. In terms I find of story. that the more people understand story structure, the less they care about spoilers. Very true. I, when people say to me, oh, are, are you worried if I'm going to spoil this for you? I say, I'm, I'm going to watch it anyway. I'm, I'm not concerned about the knowledge. I mean, although half the time, you know, I mean, when I went into Winter Soldier, I mean, I already knew. But of course, sitting in the theater and the mask comes off and there were audible gasps, I, I, well, yeah, I, which I don't get because I thought it was telegraphed I, pretty the, well. The first Spider-Man movie, I, I remember sitting in a theater with, with one of my closest friends, one of the people that I've shared comics with for 40 years now. And we're sitting in the theater and Mav, you and I have talked about this and like you suddenly it's revealed that, oh my God, yeah. the guy that, that Spider-Man just captured is the same guy who killed Uncle Ben. And everybody in the theater, except the two of us, were just aghast. Like, How do you not know this? This is. You know, <laughs> I, I, I can't remember not knowing it. Right. Right. Um, my wife didn't actually know that she doesn't read comics and she was I mean, she was she's seen movies, so she wasn't yeah, like super structure. shocked. Right. She was just like, huh, didn't see that coming. But but there but there was a guy that, like. When I saw when I saw that first you're talking about the first Tobey Maguire Spider Man movie when that came, when that came out there was a guy in our in our theater who just couldn't contain himself and you know he takes off Spider Man pulls the hat back from the guy's face and this guy like that's awesome three, four in front of me just goes no fucking way like like I'm just like and, I, and I'm sitting here going this is something I've known and I without exaggeration. Yeah. Since I was four years old, <laughs> there's no, there's no, like there, there's no time when I did not know that. But that that's Uncle also ben just a form of poetic justice as well. By that guy, and I think that once you start seeing, okay, in because one of the reasons mm-hmm. that Game of Thrones is successful is that it breaks structure. Is that you know we we've gone we have this fantasy structure and this comic structure and we can get all Aristotle about this but then no one will listen to us anymore. But you kind of know okay here's the good guy and now the good guy is <laughs> yeah. going to have a yeah. 
going to have an obstacle and there's going to be the a first failure. And then after the first right. fa- failure, there's going to be a lesson and then the application of the lesson. Yeah. Like Hero's everyone, journey. you can kind of watch a hero's journey. <laughs> Nothing in any of the new star Wars was a surprise and or very little, very little. I was like, Oh, we have cranky, cranky mm-hmm. Luke. And once you establish this cranky Luke, it's going, okay, now you're going to kind of, uh, <laughs> go the opposite way of these conventions and very there's very few surprises i think if if people are using conventional structures similar to what mav was saying about origin stories and many comic books in general is that there's there's an aspect that's formulaic and we enjoy the formula there's nothing wrong with the formula the formula is fantastic but if you know the formula you're just kind of going okay what's going to be this iteration of the formula and you know, I walked out of Ragnarok. I, I got my girlfriend to see Ragnarok with me, which is a testament to her patience. She is not into this sort of thing. And I was all excited. And she goes, "What was your favorite explosion?" And I, and you know, I was like, "You know, it's between this explosion and that explosion." And I look at her and say, "What was your favorite explosion?" And she gets all quiet. And she goes, "I was really taken by the explosions of character development." And then a week later, she made me see Lady Bird, which also an excellent movie, but pretty big departure from what we're talking about. Well, no, but see, right, because because she was right. Lady Bird Bird is is without a doubt um, in, in for. For my money, it was the best movie of last year. I loved Lady Bird. Um, I knew it wasn't going to win the Oscar. I knew that it was going to get beat beat by Shape of Water, but it was my favorite film of, of last year, followed by um, um, uh, The Big Sick, followed by mm. Baby Driver, which is the only thing that has a chance of being a franchise out of all those. Baby Driver, you could make you could make a movie because for some reason we we mostly only build franchises around sort of the four quadrant big action movie. Right now, usually forming it with superheroes, but not always. I mean, we talked about Transformers, we talked about Fast and the Furious. Those are essentially superhero movies. Die Hard's essentially a superhero movie, um, but like you don't really see. You see a f- you might get one or two sequels. Like you might get uh, yep. there's a Mamma Mia sequel coming out for some really? reason this summer. I don't know why. Yes, there is. There's an actual Mamma Mia sequel, wow. sequel slash prequel. Um, they made a they made a sequel to Bad Moms. If, if a comedy, if a rated R comedy does well enough, they'll you know they'll toss they'll toss you a sequel. Like you yeah, had the Daddy's Home Part Two, and yeah, we're a lot so of you know, about that. You, you know, quickly. Yeah. Well, they're quickly diminishing returns. Like uh, it's basically when you, when you try to franchise one of these other format formats, what ends up happening is people are like, Oh, we caught lightning in a bottle. We didn't expect that anybody would was going to like, um, was going to like bad moms, but everybody did or everybody loved pitch perfect. So let's just keep doing this until we kill that horse. And we kill that horse after three, there are three pitch perfect movies. I I don't think there's going to be a fourth one. I I really don't. That's something that I start wondering about too, is at what point will the producers of all this know when to stop? Like at what point is it going to be okay? We've gotten this well, right. I, I think some of that. I mean, what you just said—the the three movie thing. There were there were three Thor movies. There were three Cat movies. There were three Iron Man movies. You, 
I think you know, so much of what's different about this as a franchise is, you know, there's, you know, however, 47 Fast and Furious movies and, and, and 13 Die Hard movies or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's a franchise following essentially the same characters, the same basic plot. It's not here's a franchise of a whole bunch of different franchises. And I really see that as the different thing. Like, yes, I mean, you can say there's burnout and there's 19 episodes of this and it's all one giant story. But we're kind of getting them in groups of three. You know, we're we're not breaking that rule with with some of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, and it's weird too, though, because like I I st- when when the whole trilogy, I feel like there was this rise in trilogies in the '90s with the Matrix and with you know the, mm. the, the whole you know process that the other Star Wars trilogy that we don't like to speak of. And I was wondering if we would start seeing awards categories for trilogies because that mm-hmm. became kind of the new form. And then because we're, we're in two out of three of the newest Star Wars trilogy. And we, we speak of Star Wars in trilogies. We speak of various movies in trilogies and and now that we have this, this giant overlapping franchise monster, are we gonna? Are, are our children going to talk to us about what were what were the Marvel movies like before the big reboot of of twenty thirty? And you know, right, yeah, like, yeah. Is yeah. there going to be a moment when they say, "Okay, we're, we're going to just reboot the Avengers"? Because Spider Man had a few reboots. There was a Spider Man mm-hmm. movie that came out in the early two thousand. There was the, those those Spider Man movies that have nothing to do with what's going on now. And I think there was a couple other like Marvel had some pretty successful movies mm-hmm. and. Those kind of, you know, were standalone and went nowhere. And this idea of having the giant crossover similar to the comics is something I, I obviously I'm enjoying this very much. I'm on the podcast talking about it. But when I, one of my larger concerns or one of my larger interests is how do we look at, how do we as society and how do the producers of these stories start discussing or creating bigger stories, like these giant mega stories? And after a certain point, does the mega story start to collapse under its own weight because the culture that it started in and the culture that's that it's in now have changed so much when it happens in the comics, they just, you know, remake Peter Parker. Peter Parker is always a high school student. So there was the high school student. He was in the 60s, the high school student. He was in the 90s, the high school student. He is in the 2000s. And each time he's he's becoming Spider-Man in that world. So it just gets it gets complicated because what does the setting do to the whole thing well yeah and i you know the the latest spider-man movie the you know, this this iteration of it yeah homecoming uh yeah i i i'm always seeing the the old fans and yeah and I, I had some guys who just really didn't dig it they did they didn't like him talking to his suit and the extra technology and all that stuff they are so tied into peter parker circa 1963 or, or whatever and just like and you know, and we've this is going to be a recurring theme. Mav, we said this last week. You know, that's not my Spider-Man. Well, and doesn't need to be. You know, you're not 12 anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 you know, and I saw that him talking to his suit and and all of that extra technology is. There's not a 16 year old in America right now who doesn't have a cell phone and you know yeah. Siri to tell him where he is and you know that sort of thing. So I, I just saw the suit as an expansion of the technology every teenager carries with them everywhere they go. And and that's fine. That's very much a part of how you move a character into the present rather than having it stuck in the past. So we were talking about 
you know, how much of it can you really watch? And how how much do you have to do before you reboot it? And I think, Wayne, you said at the very beginning of this conversation that franchises aren't new. Maron said it as well. Nicole said it as well. We've all said franchises aren't new. A film series that I really like. I'm probably the only person who's seen the Andy mm-hmm. Hardy film series. Yeah, no, I... Yeah. And, and I, I thought of that when we were talking about this you know, the last few weeks. That's one of the ones that came to mind for me. Yeah. 16 films, 16 films. in But you know what? You don't really have to watch all of them. And for the most part, the order doesn't matter all that much there. You know, it's an ongoing it's an ongoing adventures of Andy Hardy. And he does get older in that Mickey Rooney was sort of aging as right. they went as they went by. But the, but the order doesn't matter that much. And then I thought, well, what about James Bond? Twenty six mm-hmm. films, twenty six films in the James Bond in the James Bond film series. So Marvel's going to pass that in a year. Yeah, yeah. Well, if, if they sneak another Bond film in, it might take two years. But but Marvel should pass in the next year or two. They should pass James Bond. That's kind of amazing and it you know james bond does have sort of reboots like they're Mm -hmm. the continuity doesn't matter in james bond and they just don't care and this isn't even the first idea of a shared universe in in film media i mean i'm gonna go to tv but you know all in the family mod the jeffersons and good times are all part in the same same universe they they had had crossovers they were existing at the same time Mm -hmm. in the same world you didn't have to watch all of them to watch any one of them but even there that that shared universe idea isn't something new yeah mark and mindy and happy days yeah 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 and they crossed over yeah, Laverne and Shirley and crossed over with Happy Days pretty frequently, actually. Yeah. I mean, not not every episode, but frequently enough to, to where it matters. So do we think yeah. that, OK, we all say franchises aren't new, but is is this the largest franchise of is, is this the biggest franchise of its scale as has franchise scaled up so much that now I, we we're in a new place? I think so. Yeah, because I, I do. I see the difference as this is a shared universe with different characters, as well as one big ongoing story. So it, it's it's incorporating both of those things in a way that I don't really see anyone else doing. Plus, it, the way it includes the the television universe too. I mean, mm-hmm. this, of course, was criticisms of of DC's attempts because they're basically they have they have some successful television shows going but they're ignoring all of those in the in the film universe and and i don't know i mean i don't know if it would have been any better if they had used uh, grant gustin uh to play flash i don't think anything really could have helped justice league that much <laughs> but but the way that they that they've sort of divorced themselves from their other their other entities i'm wondering if they're going to start trying to rethink their approach as you're saying is this going to be yeah. some sort of new model of oh my god this was so successful because we know hollywood always wants to see how oh my god they made too? so much money off of that how can we yeah. do that yeah because cynically speaking if you start looking at this from a financial perspective and you think about what you know ongoing royalty payments can be does the release of the next infinity war part two is going to make everyone go back and get the dvd or buy the google play of infinity war one and Knowing that having the big homework assignment of this is how you catch up so you know everything for Infinity War. Was there, do we know if there was this massive spike in revenue? Like, I know Netflix stock shot up. 
but did uh, and, and like mm-hmm. is that a correlation can we see a correlation between this mega franchise is releasing one of its giant crossovers and then these entertainment commodities have a massive rise in stock and is this something like are there people in the inner bowels of disney who are actually calculating this <laughs> I, you know, your your comment on on Nicole, your comment on DC and, and Marvel, and there's sort of that meta level of you know, DC has always had multiple universes, where Marvel has always brought up that idea of a single continuity. So, so the media is sort of reflecting what took place in the comics as well. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's an intentional thing, but I just I find mm-hmm. it interesting that, that that has taken place in that way. <laughs> I think it is a different mindset though, because yeah. you're right that you guys were made made the comment that this is the largest time this has ever been done, but it's actually not if we count the comics. So we, right. we, we just talked about Infinity Gauntlet versus Infinity War. The largest time on film, certainly, Yeah, I think. But but we have Marvel continuity going back to 1939. You know, comics continuity. Moran, you were also talking about, I find this, this interesting, that idea of story structure and you know, how does this break story structure? And as... You know, those of us who, who fancy ourselves creators or even people analyzing this stuff, you know, what do you know, how do how do we analyze this in those terms? I'm I'm not saying this well, but I think there's something important there about uh, you know breaking story structure, breaking traditions, breaking out of the hero's journey or the traditional storytelling tropes we've always had. That's how you surprise people, but people also like to be comforted by knowing what to expect. This one, if I had to describe it i'd say it's this weird multifaceted mm-hmm. combination of multiple strands of the hero journey hero's journey in combination yeah. of of like a checkoff structure so this is like there's this weird mm-hmm. anton Chekhov, very slow build that i think mm-hmm. one of the best modern modern incarcer in in yeah sorry one of the biggest modern modern examples of it i think is mad men where Mad Men has this giant mm-hmm. slow build and you can tr- you can see the trajectories of Mad Men from the beginning to the end, but they're all slow and interweaving. Where with these Marvel yeah. storylines, you have multiple heroes journeys going on, but since they're all intersecting and interacting, you have this effect of kind of this Chekhovian slow build. And it's a slow build with a lot of explosions and major fight scenes and so on. Right. But <laughs> It's right, like, you right. know, Bucky's in Wakanda. What's Bucky doing in Wakanda? Yeah. And how's that going on that, you know, he's he's having a new arm built by Shuri. And well, and, and having those little the, the post credit scenes, those little interstitial scenes that remind you that, oh, hey, this is part of a bigger universe. Yeah. And, and they do that in every movie to remind you of that. I'm also glad you brought up Mad Men because we completely forgot to mention it in our episode about nostalgia. <laughs> but something the comics can do that the movies can't is when they had that storyline where they went back and said the first test of the super soldier serum was on black soldiers and that this kind of rewrites so much of Captain America True. and that we can have these things where they say, oh, while this was going on, here's one more piece of backstory that illuminates this other piece that we knew that that changes the light of everything else. We see a little bit of this in the X-Men movies where we went back and saw the, you know, the origin of Charles Xavier, but we will have a hard time getting this to happen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe unless we see kind of wacky stuff happening on television. And the television stuff, 
I'll be very curious to see how the new seasons are handling what's going on with the movies. And is the next season of whatever Marvel show going to take place in the universe where half the people died? Half of the Luke Cage cast is gone. (laughs) Yeah. If you're wondering, this is why we said there'd be spoilers. So to spoil the end of Infinity War, half the universe dies. But here's why it's interesting. If, if, if we're going to say this is all one big universe and and it's a different kind of storytelling and I'll and I'll buy into that because I've been reading comic books my entire life and I understand that I'm not reading everything that happens in the universe. If I'm a Spider-Man fan and not a Hulk fan, I might not know what's happening in Hulkland until it crosses over. And that's fine. That's how the Marvel Universe mm-hmm. has worked since the 60s. And that's how they've built their television shows, more or less. You know, you can see ripples of things happening from the movies down to the TV shows to to the complaints of the fans of the TV shows. You don't see a lot of ripples going up from the TV shows to the to the movies, though they are there. Um, Avengers 2 actually hinges a lot on the event on the events of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. going up until that. It's just if you haven't been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you miss that and it's fine. My problem with what they've done is they've built a universe where now you have a choice, even even ignoring the TV shows. We've got Ant-Man and the Wasp coming up and I don't know if that's going to happen after Infinity War or before Infinity War. I'm going to assume it happens before or during because if it happens after the only thing anybody should talk about for the next hundred years is holy shit. Do you remember that day that like half the world died? That said, if you remember the end of infinity gauntlet at the end of infinity gauntlet, Warlock snaps his fingers and undoes the whole thing and says only this small group of people will actually know what happens. We assume that's going to happen because Mm -hmm. we're comic book fans and we know, I'm sorry, if you didn't figure it out, they're going to fix it. They're not going to leave everybody dead. Yeah. There's too much money at stake. Yeah, yeah. Here's, here's a hint. There's another Black Panther movie coming out because that made way too much money. So he's going to come back. So, so if we're going to assume that there's going to be another Black Panther movie, can you just make Shield and uh, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and Daredevil just ignore it and say, you know what, we were unaware. You know, we don't remember it happened. We're just going to proceed as though everything was fine. And I think you can because comics have done that and it, and it depends uh, Wayne and I have talked about this one of my favorite comic crossover moments of all time Secret Wars it's not the very first but it's one of the first mega events yeah and Secret Wars affects the uh, the lives of every character that's mm-hmm. in it um every you know Spider-Man comes back you know he leaves and he comes back and he's in a different suit the Fantastic Four leaves they come back and the thing is missing and She-Hulk is there and you just have months you have you have 12 months a whole year of just trying to figure out what happened in there and then and then them sinking things in slowly and well in Thor comics from the Secret Wars era it is my favorite handling of a crossover event ever Thor flies down to and he sees the magic spaceship that is going to start Secret Wars he goes in it and then in the next panel he comes back from the from the spaceship having been gone a year and somebody says what happened there and Thor says nothing that mattered and then he moves on and he never mentions it again and there's an editor's note, see Secret Wars 1 through 12. Uh, and, and, and my understanding of the time, and I, I can't source this, but there was an interview with um, uh, Walt Simonson, who was doing mm-hmm. Thor at the time, and a really amazing run of Thor. Um, and, and essentially, he was building this giant Thor story. He was building a mythos. He'd been building toward it for months. And suddenly, you have to do a Secret Wars crossover. I, 
but that affects the story I'm telling. And, and that was his way of dealing yeah. with it, which I think is kind of genius. They did that with the original Infinity mm-hmm. Gauntlets, too. Yeah, yeah. Here's a footnote. Let me go on and tell the story I want to tell. Yeah. So so maybe you just don't deal with it. And and then it becomes a question of how important is continuity? I don't know. I'm I'm thinking that with Wasp and Ant-Man, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they killed one of them off. I think they will. Because then that pulls the other one in to the sequel. To Infinity Wars Part Two, I think that's what's going to happen in like the post-credit scene. I think one of them's going to die at the very end of the movie with half the universe. But I think the movie's going to ignore it up until mm-hmm. you know up until the last five minutes or something like that. And if, um, yeah, and if, if not one of so, either Ant Man or the Wasp, then possibly you know, Hank Pym, right? You know, the, the the original. Don't don't get Jan back from the microverse and then she'll turn into dust and disappear. They'll address it because <laughs> from a business point of view. <laughs> From a business point of view, what they've done, which is amazing, what, what Marvel's pulled off, and this is the reason everybody wants to duplicate the franchise universe, is the cinematic universe is essentially they've convinced people to pay for every episode of a television show, which is which is yeah. absolutely amazing. That is, that yeah. is an amazing feat because because we're right. I don't need, you know, the reason the reason I'm what's an, what's an amazing episode Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica happens after um, well, Maroni said the 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 binge re- revolution where we can do television in long form storytelling. Uh, there's a book by Alan yeah. Seppenwalk. Revolution was televised. Brilliant book. I will link it in the show notes. But Battlestar Galactica happens after that, and Battlestar Galactica is a mm-hmm. 74 chapter epic novel on screen and it is brilliant 70 74 chapters if you count the movies then 82 yeah if you count like razor and everything um brilliant i loved battlestar galactica and they did do the previously on galactica but it doesn't really matter like you're you're supposed to be watching galactica every week or you're supposed to be streaming it and they're not gonna they're not gonna slow down for you if you can't figure out why you know why starbuck came back too damn bad because we've got a story to tell and that's and that's the that's how galactica works brilliant show and but like galactica Mm -hmm. and i'm a bad example because i actually did buy all the galactica dvds but i'm a nerd um for the most part people watch galactica at home you t-vote it and yeah or or you watch it on netflix later and that's how you absorb galactica and even with me buying every dvd of that series i you know i bought there were Five seasons? Yeah. Sort of. Because there was like think, season yeah. one A, season two right, B, right, season right. two. No, but I wonder how many box sets I bought. <laughs> right, I believe yeah, I bought five break. box sets at 30 bucks a piece. That's $150. <laughs> so I'm in for 150 bucks for 74 episodes of television. So 74 hours. Now, I have now seen every Marvel movie. That's 19 of them. I'm in for 10 bucks each. So that's 100. Yeah, I'm, I'm already over. I, you know, like for far, for far less entertainment, I have, I have yeah. paid more for watching Marvel, yeah. you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe television show, which in effect is essentially a Game of Thrones style television show. And this was this was our Battle of the Bastards. Infinity War was the reason it's not a, the reason it's not a complete story is it doesn't matter. Everything built to this. And here's this epic thing where it's like, you know, here's what you've been waiting for, kids. Boom. And and that's what this was. Yeah, th- yeah, this and the next Avengers movie are the climax to the Thanos plot line they've been building since the post-credit scenes in yeah. the first Avengers movie. Yeah. The, the only alternate way I can think of it is, and I've, been, mm-hmm. and I've, now I've seen a movie twice. Has anybody else seen it twice or just me? Just once. Just, just once. once. Okay. So, uh, so I've watched it twice now, and I'm still not convinced because I've been wondering about 
people love this movie and, and not just geeks. Uh, I've, I'm amazed at how well it's doing. It is the most popular movie of all time for one week. And that's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, but, and, and yeah. like the only thing that even comes close is, is black Panther. And then there's a big gap and then there's force awakens. So it's, you know, so we're talking about three franchise f- events that, that, that mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. have these top three spots. So it is successful with the masses. This is not, you know, I, I often, I, I read, um, I routinely, again, I'm a nerd who, reads funny books for a living. So I, uh, I very often look at, um, movie at movie, um, box office release uh, sales. I look at television ratings and I, I read, um, the sales figures for comics and comics don't sell a lot. If you had to have, you know, a, a good selling issue of Avengers is like 25,000 people. That's it on the planet. 25,000 people read Avengers. Uh, an amazing selling book is like a hundred thousand people. That's, that's the best we can do. And that's, and, and that's great. That's, those are, those are great numbers. So those aren't the people watching infinity for infinity war. Everyone loved, which means people were on board with this who don't know that Adam Warlock may or may not be coming. That's so. So then I thought, well, so is there a story there? Because they can't just. Uh, it's not just um, people seeing every every movie. Because if they had seen every movie, then all of them would be making a billion dollars, and they don't. So nobody's seen every movie except for the geeks. Mm. <laughs> people are seeing people are seeing this one, and they're enjoying it. And then I thought, well, is there a story? Maybe the story is they're just that invested in Thanos because Thanos does kind of. If you assume an opposite morality to what most of us have and then you can say Thanos has a beginning middle and end where he goes on this quest he achieves this quest all these horrible people try to stop him from saving the universe by killing half of it and he beats them and he wins. then he gets, he wins and then he gets to retire and watch the sunset Yay. yeah uh, yeah that's a story the development of Thanos in the comics though is also just extremely complex so the movie gets yeah. to inherit that and those writers get to say okay the Thanos of the 1977 you know Captain Marvel and Warlock storylines is not necessarily the same Thanos of Infinity Gauntlet is not the same Thanos as you know it, the, the latest Infinity Incarnations, because I haven't looked at the comics. I haven't looked at the new incarnations in a while. I just saw that there's 8 million Infinity series. And I read a bunch of them. And then there was a couple where I was like, what have you done to my fam- to my favorite characters? I'm skipping these because it's just going to make me mad. And then they start popping up again. But you know, Thanos at the end of Infinity Gauntlet is really similar to Thanos at the end of the first Infinity War with the danger, with the difference of this time he didn't win because he does kind of retire in that same thing. If you know, we find him stay, staying mm-hmm. on this mountaintop, looking at the sunrise going, okay, that whole thing I did, I learned my lesson. Whereas in the movie, we, we see him in that same place going, okay, I set out to do what I wanted to do. And I bought balance to the universe. Yeah, he had to fridge Gamora to do it. So now we we watch people unbalance the universe again. And people are invested. I mean, you can look on you can look on Facebook and Twitter and just and see people having reactions to where they were just you know, people who don't read comics and didn't know that was coming. I mean, I think I think we all knew all four of us knew. Well, I've read it. Thanos is going to snap his fingers and he's going to kill a bunch of people. And that's how this is going to end. And I was emotionally prepared for that. There, oh, yeah. I just watched. Yeah, girl behind me in the theater was crying. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was telling my, I, I told people, you know, this is only part one, right? You yeah. know there's a fourth <laughs> movie coming out in a year, right? They've already filmed it. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, otherwise this well, is the end of the that. franchise. It's okay, this <laughs> is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> which would be ballsy is well, that would be, well, that's kind of what I was talking about before of like at what point did they say okay we're wrapping everything up but we do have the teaser of Doctor Strange going there's one way in which we win and mm-hmm. giving up the time stone saying that was the only way mm-hmm. and we have all these little things going, okay, here's, here's stuff that's coming. We have Captain Marvel's going to be involved. Captain Marvel has traditionally defeated Thanos over and over. Like we, we've mm-hmm. teased Thanos's two main enemies, enemies with Warlock, mm-hmm. it's enemy slash ally yeah. slash, you know, it's complicated, but, yeah. <laughs> but Captain Marvel is constantly like one, one of his major storylines yeah. back in the day was he's up against Thanos. I think this is Marone just admitting, sub, you know, subconsciously that he writes Adam Warlock Thanos fanfic on slash fanfiction, on <laughs> and I'm sure that exists out there. And I, I really, guess. really yes. want to see it. I, sure I will it admit that when I was in college, <laughs> I did write a pitch to Marvel Comics that was a Warlock storyline that never got a response. So and now we know why. Maybe I should try again. <laughs> I was brilliant, Dan. <laughs> I, I I told Mav this. I, I I fully believe that in the the next movie, it's going to be that Hawkeye solo movie where he just comes in and fixes everything. Right. Uh. <laughs> I'm holding out for Korvac. That's what I want to see. Ah, yeah, ooh, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, yeah. We're going to see Just Pip the Troll and we're going to see, uh, <laughs> you know, what's, what's no, going to happen because uh, Gamora is also, you know, traditionally Warlock's girlfriend. So that's going to be complicated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... I can just see the see the views on this podcast just dropping off. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's a geek spiral. So, so suddenly we just turned into every other comic book podcast. That's really funny. Could yeah. be worse. I could go back into Greek tragedy. Hey, I'm, I'm down with that. I'm a theater yeah. theater person too. Yeah. So okay, so to wrap up, then let's look at the at theaters. If you have things like Greek tragedies or Shakespearean plays, yes, Shakespearean plays, some some of them continue from one to another, sort of, yes. kind of, you know, like the Henrys. And you have the Oedipus series. That's, Richard, yeah, the Henry. well, the Henrys or. Yeah, um, you have you have overlap. You, I don't know that it's a franchise the same way, but I don't know that it's not. I mean, Oedipus Rex, you don't need well, to... Well, this is the thing. If we talk about the Greeks, so we have, we know that the original tragedies were all trilogies. They were all in three parts. Yep. And it was three mm-hmm. parts and what was called the Seder play. And the yep. thing about what mm-hmm. we have today, we don't have what we have today because these are the best plays. We have what we have today because at some point in the in the Middle Ages, there was a decision made by a bunch of monks that said, OK, copying plays in ancient Greek is hard. Let's just pick the seven examples of these three playwrights that we think is the best example of, of the use of Athenian Greek. And we'll just copy these because they're great examples of Athenian Greek. So the only actual trilogy that we have complete today is the Oresteia. And we could see that there's a complete arc and that each play stands alone. But if we start talking about the Thebes plays of Sophocles, about Oedipus and Antigone and 
mm-hmm. and the Oedipus of Colonus, those are all from different trilogies. So this would be like taking mm-hmm. three different Batman movies from three different reboots and saying mm-hmm. that that like that's the equivalent wow. today. If we tried to talk about this in those terms of, you know, we can have, you know, the Jack Nicholson Joker, like the Batman one from the eighties, followed by, you know, each different, each different iteration of Batman, Dark Knight and say, here's, here's your, you know, we've changed actors a few times, but here's your Batman. And will there be, you know, scholars a thousand years from now, looking at these three different Batmans going, well, you know, we, we all know it's the same DC. There was this thing called DC and this thing called Warner Brothers. And there were these writers and we know this is all the same creation, but we only have these three Batmans and they seem there seems to be major thematic differences, but they're less than a hundred years apart. So they must be the same story or are they? Because we found this podcast by these guys, Mav and Wayne, where <laughs> someone was saying it's not like that my dissertation argues that you can do that by the way like i I literally have a chapter i literally have a chapter where i said that you could actually follow um the batman stories in any order well you probably can because this is this is the power of archetype and that's something about this Mm -hmm. particular franchise is that it's keyed into a whole bunch of archetypes and it's you know let's let's bring all these archetypes at once and have them interact in a way that makes sense. But you have to have bought into enough of the backstory that the archetype has meaning to you. So is that the answer? Is that the answer that we understand enough of the characters from, even if they've, even if only being trained to understand the characters from 18 other Marvel movies, do you understand the characters enough to where you say, all right, I get who, I might not watch the Iron Man movies, but I kind of get what, where this guy's mm-hmm. coming from. I kind of get where this Spider-Man kid's coming from. And I've, you know, I, I live on planet earth. I'm familiar with the concept of Spider-Man. I can follow in. And it's like, okay, star Lord is in love with this girl because it's, cause he's a guy in a movie and there's a girl in a movie. So they're in love. Okay. I mean, I mean, is that enough to just sort of follow the archetypes and therefore understand this big giant war movie? As long as there's enough explosions. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, and I, you know, the idea of them as archetypes, you know, it, I mean, this movie brings together the, the entire pantheon for the first time, you know, they've, they've been building all of this in their, their individual movies. And yeah, you know, Mav, you mentioned secret wars. It, you know, it's, that was the same thing. Like if, if you didn't read any of the other Marvel comics, you just picked up secret wars, you were just thrown in. You, you don't get that big explanation who any of these people are. So I, and I, Dr. Doom named, yeah, they name themselves on the first page and that spread, like yeah, you were right, saying. There's right. like a little, oh, we have the Fantastic Four here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But, and I, I don't know that that answers any of this stuff. I think some of the characters have enough recognition. I think some of them are yes. embedded enough in popular culture that, like you said, if you live on planet Earth, you've probably heard of Spider-Man. I mean, even if you don't, even if you can't name the various actors who've played him or, or discuss the differences between, you know, Toby and Andrew, you, you know, the character, but then you have these other characters that are the lesser known that I think if you, if you haven't seen those films, then you can, you can get from context clues who they are and something about them, but you're just not invested the same way. And that's the thing. We don't know if you just watch this movie, we don't know the relationship between Gamora and Nebula other than Thanos is torturing someone she cares about. Mm-hmm. 
And that's something we respond to, whether we know their relationship or not. We respond to, oh, I get that. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I guess, I mean, it was an incredibly huge gamble that we're going to do this thing and it's going to, it's going to pan out. And I mean, it's kind of amazing that it, that it paid off as well as it did. I I mean, I guess maybe we shouldn't be surprised because so much of it is, like you said, the big budget movies with the, the explosions and cool Mm -hmm. things happening. But because we're the comic nerds who've loved this stuff for years, we look at it and we are kind of surprised, like, wow, other people think this is cool, too. Yeah, But at the same time, we're in a really interesting historic moment because Justice League that tried to do the same thing failed miserably. And and they didn't they didn't build any of that that backstory. They Mm -hmm. just they threw you into it. You didn't know these people. And you, unlike this one, where at least there's a place to find out who these people are, Justice League doesn't give you any of that. Right. It's a, a dark universe. Same thing. I, mean, I think everybody wants the franchise. And and maybe that's the answer. I don't know if what Marvel has done here is duplicatable. I don't know if Feige is just a mad genius who who figured it out and nobody else can do it or not. But he did do the work. 19 films is a long time yeah. in order to really get your your mega event together. And Justice League tried to do it. In well, three. it was like DC said, you we've know. got to do the opposite of Marvel because we can't we don't want to look like we're copying. But like you said, they didn't mm-hmm. do the work. And and frankly, I mean, the reason why things like the like the DC films and the Dark Universe films, they just aren't good. They're trying to count on gimmicks <laughs> to make them work. I mean, and they just, they aren't that good on their own. I mean, Wonder Woman was the best, but I mean, I mean, seriously, Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, no, Wonder Woman Green was Lantern. One of my movies of last year, <laughs> easily. But like the other, it's just yeah. barely got on my radar. And But something I'm thinking of just based on Nicole's <laughs> comment is how much did, Mar- considering that they're part of the same larger conglomerate, how much did Marvel Studios learn from Star Wars? Because if you start thinking about mm-hmm. long-term universe building and extremely loyal fan base, and dare I say, inc- in- incredibly forgiving fan base, <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, there's also the the whole thing of you know, Marvel. It's it's under the umbrella of Disney, but Marvel Studios essentially make Marvel movies. They're not their attention isn't divided to you know random rom coms mm-hmm. and westerns and the new Robin Hood reboot or whatever. Whereas you know, Warner Brothers is here's a Superman movie and oh yeah, you here here's a Jamie Fox movie. Like they yeah. they're not focused in the same way. They don't have that core group of people developing. So do they need to create movies. a DC Studios? And would we see would we see a success there? Because I think something else Marvel does really well is is a kind of thematic and tonal continuity. Because if you think about the Christopher Reeve mm, Superman yes. movies, one and two were phenomenal, and then they got dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the scene of him fighting himself in three was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will... I, I will apologize for Supergirl, yeah. the, the motion picture. But. <laughs> well, yeah, no, but well, but DC does. And, and maybe you're right. Maybe it does take a single division devoted to that because, Nicole, you mentioned briefly the um, the DC television series. 
they are all under the control more or less of one person. Greg Berlanti essentially runs all mm-hmm. six of those and shows. And the crossovers that they have done, I mean, they're clearly aware of each other and they work together. And I mean, but also, I mean, if you look at DC, their, their animated movies are just even the animated movies are just better than their live yeah. action movies. Yeah. Yeah. If you have, if you do the work and make a cohesive universe, um, which is what they've done, I think you can make it work. So maybe that's, maybe that's what it is. Maybe this is just a different kind of storytelling. It's not a, it's not a movie. It's, it's a franchise and you have to. And it's part of this larger weave. Something about Marvel though, if you look at the Marvel animated movies, they are kind of like test runs of the ideas that they're going to use in the live action. Cause if you look at, yeah, and that's I've heard people so say the that the main <laughs> thing that the comics are in Marvel now is a way to test drive ideas for for film. But if you look at like the the Doctor mm-hmm. Strange animated movie, which I think is actually better than the live action as much as I like the live action, they, he test drives a lot of the ideas and the same with the Iron Man movie. And you just see these things that you you look at it and you go, oh, you could storyboard this. And the storyboard would be almost identical to various moments in the live action. And is there this larger concept of story development and dramaturgy that's going on where do you have a team making sure that you have tonal continuity, that you have story continuity. I mean, there's plenty of story continuity issues. So someone online pointed out, you know, that the moment where Hela tosses an infinity gauntlet aside in this, in Ragnarok and says, Oh, fake, but you do have this, everything is happening in the same place. And there has to be a giant group of people who are making sure that, that there is this stability in it. And does DC lack that or does does Star Wars have that and how much of it is kind of from the fan fan content that's been created over years and how much is from going through the comic stories and cherry picking what you think is going to work best and what you can adapt to today's audience and what you can adapt to the larger stories you want to tell. So we have no answers is what we've is what we've determined. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> I, I don't think we need answers. I don't think, I don't think we need answers. I think we, what we get out of this kind of discussion is does this larger discussion change kind of add to our understanding and enjoyment of what we're seeing and of our <laughs> listeners. Yeah. I, what I think we should do is reconvene in a year to do the second half of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely want to, cause I, I'm, I wonder, and, and we can, we can end on this. What's sort of amazing about this is they really did give us half a movie half a movie that I paid to go see twice. I used movie pass one time, but, but, but so that, so that's, so that's impressive. I mean, it, it, like, uh, so maybe that is the answer. Did they over 18 films just earn the right to give me half a movie mm-hmm. in the way that, you know, BVS did not Batman versus Superman did not earn the right to just leave me with questions yeah. the way that, um, the way that this did. And not just me, apparently, you know, yeah. um, you know, right. 300, 400 well, like, million. Right. Matrix Reloaded <laughs> did that. They basically just stopped. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, yes, we're doing a third movie. The third movie will be out in another six months or yeah, a the year. The Matrix movies followed each other very closely. So like that was something that was, or, mm-hmm. or the second two did. I think the first right. one really stood alone. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of 
disappointed. Yeah, and it should have yeah. stayed yeah. alone. It's like Highlander. There should be. There should only be one. <laughs> yeah. Should only be one. Mm-hmm. But I mean, something about the DC movies. While we're on that, and I think just before <laughs> we end, is the comics, the original stories, the archetypes are incredibly successful. I, I would think that more people know who mm-hmm. Superman is, no. Superman and Batman, than probably any Marvel hero. But, yeah, but I agree. somehow mm-hmm. Marvel has made the transition to to uh, movie and television, film and television, so much more powerfully, or just so much more cohesively. And I think that's that's you know mm-hmm. on our larger theme of franchise. The translation of the translation of a mythos from one medium to another is what Marvel has done really well, and what people will be talking about for however many years. I think part of that is is the way that so. that the as much of a huge franchise and sort of the grandeur and the and the mythos as you say, the Marvel characters are are a lot more human. That I, I mean, you can relate. I mean. You can relate to Iron Man a bit more when he's struggling with PTSD than I could with Batfleck. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> but he was sad. Oh no, that was the real him, wasn't yes. it? Yeah, in the interviews with Henry Cavill. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we should end it there because yeah. I, I do. I think we could yeah, do this forever. Yeah, and I, we really could. So, yeah, my pleasure. I this was great. Thank you both for for yeah, joining us this week. Thanks. It was fun. Yeah. And and for our listeners, there are no post credit scenes. <laughs> you, you, you just stop you just stop listening. Yeah, well, but before you do, you can follow the Vox Popcast website at www.voxpopcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Vox Popcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Vox Popcast. It's it's kind of a theme, a running theme that we do. You can follow my personal blog at chrismaverick.com. Wayne. Uh, Wayne-Wise.com Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for the theme song that you're hearing right now that everybody thinks is too long and too loud. Thank you all for listening and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.